You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. So Lauren and I uh, have four beautiful girls, um, and uh, they, in case you don't know, they are 10, 8, 7, and 4. And Maya was in our room like five times last night, so I have a little extra caffeine in me this morning. Um, But often our children... um, help us to kind of think outside the box of what we're thinking about every day, but they think in very practical terms, if that makes sense. Like, they think about things very simply. And uh, Everly and I, uh, she's one of my middle daughters, she's seven, uh, we were laying on the couch, and she made this statement. She, like, was thinking. You could tell, like, her her brain was going, and she said, Dad, when we get to heaven, are we going to be able to go through things? And I'm like go through, like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, like, and she, like, held her, my, like, my arm up, and then she's like, like, go through, like, like, go through, you know, like, a door and stuff, and, and we started processing, because for kids, I mean, they're being bombarded on TV, like, especially in the Halloween season, with, like, ghosts and spirits, right, and, and they, like, go through doors and walls and, and haunt people, and, and then you have, like, the uh, shoulder angel that'll pop up on a cartoon every now and again to tell you what's right and what's wrong, um, and so you, we, she has this perspective of what maybe the spirit is or, or what we are going to be like when we get to heaven. And, and so when we begin to process that, we realize that heaven and even the Holy Spirit, is, especially the Holy Spirit, is one of the most misunderstood aspects of our faith. We kind of think of the Holy Spirit as being this kind of abstract, we don't really know who he is and what he does, but it's kind of there. And, and so we spend a lot of time and we focus a lot of our effort and energy in, in Jesus because he was here and he walked on earth. That's a historical fact. That's not just like a Christianese fact. Like that, like we have history that books that say that there was a man named Jesus that walked, that, that all the miracles he did happened. And so there's like this wrestle of a person, but then the Holy Spirit's a little bit more maybe out there. Um, dare I even say mystical, where we don't fully understand how he works, what he does. And so we also have these perspectives in our mind of uh, maybe experiences that we had in the past, both positive and negative, about the Holy Spirit. So maybe for some of you, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And so in that experience, there was like people running up and down the aisles and speaking in all different weird tones and languages. And so maybe you have this like, um, perspective where it's like, I don't like that, that's weird. Or maybe you grew up in a super traditional church and they didn't even speak about the Holy Spirit, right? They didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit because that it's like, it's so far out there that they're like, we're just not even going to touch it. The problem is, is that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, is that the Holy Spirit is real. And for you and I who have professed, professed faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, like, the Holy Spirit has come upon us. <laughs> and, and so that is the power in which we live. And that's the power in which we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if we begin to dismiss the teachings of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, we, we have a lopsided understanding of what Scripture says. And I love, uh, there's an author, Sam Storms, he says this. He um, said, 
in our culture today, we, uh, in the Bible, we see this beautiful marriage between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And in our culture today, we've successfully divorced the two. And so we have these churches that are full of the Spirit and void of the Word, and these churches that are full of the Word and void of the Spirit. And we have to get back to this place where we, we have the both together, because that is what we see in Scripture. There's this beautiful marriage that we see in Scripture with these things. And that's where we're diving in today. So we're ending this section of Scripture, right? Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, which we've been talking about for seven weeks. And so we're coming up on the end of that. And so I'm going to start in verse 19. Um, if you have a Bible, grab it. I want you to hold the Word of God in your hand so you know I'm not making this stuff up. As well as uh, the YouVersion Bible app. So it's a great app that you can get on your phone. When you uh, go to your app store, it just says Holy Bible on it. It's brown. Uh, and when you open that up, there's an events tab in the menu. And you can write in Fort Myers Community Church and our... Uh, church will pop up. You click on that, and then there's all the sermon notes and stuff as well on there. Ephesians 2. So let me start, before I I jump into reading, um, I just want to recap kind of where we've been with Ephesians 2 as a whole. So the first thing we see that Paul is addressing with the Ephesians, so Paul helped plant this church. Paul is now sitting in prison, and he's writing to this church that he loves. And he's trying to help them reframe their mind around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That we cannot add works into the gospel. It's not Jesus plus works equals salvation, or Jesus plus circumcision, or Jesus plus baptism. It's Jesus plus nothing equals the salvation that we have. So it's Christ alone that brings us salvation. So what he does is he starts off in Ephesians 2 by saying, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So for us, again, we have to like go really simple on this because we being dead, like I'm breathing, I'm living, I'm walking around, I don't seem dead. But it's almost like a spiritual zombie. Anybody know what a zombie is, right? A zombie is a lifeless form that's still walking and breathing. So when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they experienced a consequence to their disobedience. By disobeying God, the consequence was death. Now, that's one, a physical death, but two, it's a spiritual death, a severing of relationship between God and man. And so Paul says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together in Christ. By grace, we have been saved through faith. And then he starts talking about these walls of hostility that were formed. And in context, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. But for us today, it's all people groups. These walls of hostility that the human flesh build up. So you can insert Jew-Gentile, you can insert Ukraine-Russia, you can insert uh, black-white, you can insert politics in there, right? Uh, Left and right. You can begin to see that these walls of hostility were built between humans because of sin. We also see this wall of hostility that is built between us and God, right? This severance of relationship between us and God. And why did Jesus come, Paul says? He came to tear down the walls of hostility between all people and between all people and God. And this is a beautiful thing. Like, this is something that we should, like, rejoice in. 
that the God of the universe, even though we didn't deserve it, even while we were still enemies, sent himself wrapped in human flesh. He didn't send a junior God. He sent himself wrapped in human flesh to be born so he can live a perfect life on our behalf, die a death that you and I could never die, one of a life of perfection, and then he rose him again from the dead, defeating this idea of death, hell, and the grave. So if we put our faith and our trust in him as our Lord and Savior, now we have life. That's the good news of the gospel. And so Paul is reminding them that all throughout chapter 2, and then he says, not only did he tear down these walls of hostility, but then he built something new, something beautiful, something amazing. Him, Jesus, being the, what does it say? Cornerstone. Him being the cornerstone. What everything aligns with, what everything in our lives is founded upon, Jesus Christ, what he wants, what he desires, what he says. And often we can get our opinions and our thoughts about things that go on in life. Maybe uh, we can get all those things from the world around us, right? Our world around us is bombarding us on what is right and wrong. And, and, but what we need to do as believers is ground ourselves in the truth of Jesus because he has given us a playbook. And he says, what is in here is good. This will bring us life. But what is outside of here, human logic, human wisdom, will only bring us death. And so believers, the, the Bible actually calls you beloved, we have to reconcile what are we getting our information from and what are we founding our beliefs upon. What the world says is right and true and logical, or what God says is right and true, and good, and that will bring life. So, he says he is the cornerstone. And then, let's pick up in verse 19. So this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, and this is where we're picking up today, in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. A dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And I love the similarities between verses 20 and 21. Have you ever recognized that? It was, I kind of found that fun this week as I was going through this. Look at these two verses kind of side by side. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, in verse 21, in whom? In verse 22, in him. In verse 21, being joined together. In verse 22, being built together. Grows into a holy temple. Becoming a dwelling. The temple and the dwelling. Verse 21, in the Lord. Verse 22, in which God lives by his spirit. These are almost like mirrored verses Side by side. So Paul is, is emphasizing something here. When I was growing up, um, I didn't listen very well. And so when I would run around the house like a little tornado, like my kids do around the church, um, like they, I would, my mom would be, I'd be running and she'd yell, Billy, Billy, stop. Billy, Billy, don't do that. Well, what we didn't know is that my little sister, who's four years younger than me, she started calling me Billy Billy because she legitimately thought that was my name because my parents had to overemphasize to get my attention. 
Paul is trying to get our attention. He's saying the same thing twice. Why? I love that we have a church that likes to ask good questions. And I know in your mind, it's already spinning, right? You're already thinking, why? What's the big why here? Why are we being joined together, built together? Why would we want to be a part of a community where the Spirit of God dwells? Thanks for asking such good questions. Good job. All right, here we go. First, let's look at the Holy Spirit. Who is the Spirit? I put a list together, and you could probably barely see it because it's such a long list, and I want to say something. This is but a fraction of what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Like, I was trying to compile all these verses. I couldn't even fit it on my page. Like, there's so much that the Bible speaks about. And you know who spoke about the Spirit a lot? Jesus himself. Jesus spoke a ton about the Spirit of God. So here's some of the things that Jesus and the apostles has, have shared about the Holy Spirit. One, he is truth. Now don't get this confused by saying he speaks truth. He is truth. Like he is the essence of truth. That's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, he bears witness to Jesus. Salvation in Jesus, how he breaks down the walls of hostility, how he becomes the cornerstone. All of that is done through the power of the Holy Spirit opening up our eyes and revealing to us that Jesus is who he said he was and is. He bears witness to Jesus. He's pointing people to Jesus over and over again. He seals all children of God until the day of redemption. This should be like a huge burden lifted off your shoulder. Like the Holy Spirit is the seal that we get and place upon our lives. Uh, back in the day, kings would send letters from like one kingdom to another kingdom. And that king would have a signet, a signet ring. And what they would do is they would, they would fold, you know, seal the letter, right? They'd put the fold down. Instead of licking, right, like, like we do, like they would take oil, um, wax and they would put it on where it needs to be sealed. And then he would take his ring that only he had and he would etch it into that envelope so that the people who received his letter knew it was his. Like he sealed it. It's his seal of approval. The Holy Spirit is our seal that we are saved. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. I love this one. The guarantee of our inheritance. He is the deposit, a part payment in advance for our security. The guarantee of our inheritance. It, it break, the analogy breaks down, but when you're buying a house, you have to put down earnest money. Well, this is a non-refundable deposit. We get this up front that th this is ours. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's guarantee of our inheritance. He is our leader, freeing us from bondage and fear. He performs our adoption. And he bears witness that we are children of God. I love that because I have an adopted daughter. And, and when we adopted her, we were in the courtroom and the judge took the gavel and like hit it on the bench and said, it's, it is finished. Like, like he performs our adoption. He is what hits the bench and says, it is finished. He dwells with us and will be with us forever. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. We don't get the Holy Spirit like right now and then like we get to heaven and then we get Jesus. No, no, like the Spirit's gonna be with us forever. He will teach us all things 
and brings to our remembrance all things that Jesus said. He's going to teach us what the word of God says. So in the moments when you're wrestling, is this true or is this true? Even for some of you, even wrestling, probably what, what Lauren was speaking about earlier today, like go to the spirit with those things. Go to the word with those things. Wrestle there. Don't wrestle with logic. Wrestle through the word and wrestle through your spirit. He will teach us all things and brings to our members all things that Jesus said. He will teach us in the moment what we ought to say. And this is big because we are so fearful of sharing our faith because we're afraid that we're going to mess it up because we don't know what to say. But if you've professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you actually have the spirit inside of you that in those moments will bring to light what you are supposed to say. So trust that the God has given you his spirit to do that in the midst of your evangelizing, sharing the good news. He will help us in our weakness and he will help us when we don't know what to pray. You ever feel weak? You ever feel like you, you don't have what it takes to keep going? He will help you in that weakness. And when you sit before the Lord, because you, you're like, okay, I need to pray, I need to pray. And so you sit down, and you're like, gosh, I just don't even know what to pray right now. I am so burdened, I am so bitter, I am so hurt. Whatever the feelings that you may be feeling, lonely, and you don't even know what to pray. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf with groanings that are too deep for words. He is our power. Christians, do you believe? Believers, beloved, do you believe that he is your power? That he is the power to bring the good news to the ends of the earth? That he is the power against the lust of our flesh? the lust that wants all these things that the world says are good, but they're just going to bring us death. He has the power against those things. He has the power that we have to fight the devil. Like, that is just a fraction, people. Like, I, I hope that you're not bored with that. Like, me going through that, like, I really, truly hope that you're not falling asleep right now. Like, the Spirit of God dwells within you, and this is who he is. We need to know these things. The Holy Spirit is not a small part of our faith. He's essential, foundational. It is how we live this life. So what does the Spirit do? What's his function? Well, he reveals Jesus, how Jesus has brought sinners from death to life. I love uh, John 15, 26, the helper the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will bear witness about me. That's what the Holy Spirit does, bears witness about Jesus. Romans 8, 12 and 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Do you want to live? <laughs> like, maybe you're just sitting there and you're like, yeah, this is good for some other people, but not me. No, 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 no. Like, you will die if you do not understand fully. Well, you're never going to understand fully, but you will die if you do not press into the work of the Spirit. You will die if you do not believe that the Holy Spirit is real and living and active and dwelling within you as a believer. Because the Spirit is what brings life. And then, not only does the Spirit reveal Jesus, but he transforms our life. It is not our ability when the Bible speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, he is not talking about the fruit of Bill. Like, I, often I hear people saying, man, I'm really trying hard to work on my patience. And, and the thought there is, 
maybe you should press more into the Lord and in prayer and into his word than trying to white-knuckle your patience. Because I know for me, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> like, I'm really bad at trying to muster up patience within myself. But there are moments of my life where all of a sudden patience begins to just overflow. And I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> because that's not me. I am prone to anger. I am prone to be uh, short-fused. That's my, that's my natural tendency. And so in the moments where I actually am patient or actually reveal something that's maybe seen as loving, I'm going, God, I see you at work because it is by the power of your spirit that is transforming me from the inside out. It's not the fruit of Bill. It's the fruit of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is not to be uh, broken apart and severed, but it's actually singular. I can't have patience without love or joy without peace. It's the spirit that is working these things in me and through me. And I love what uh, a pastor and an author, his name is, is Francis Chan. He says this, and he gives an analogy, and I, I really love it. He says, shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of him or her and the person who does not? Shouldn't there be something different about those that the Spirit of God is dwelling in? And he goes on to share this analogy, and I think it makes sense because if we really think of, we sang this song, holy, 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 right? The majestic holiness of God. Right now, there is a place called heaven. And God, in his infinite majesty, we see this in Revelation 4, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, he is sitting upon a throne. And there is thunder and lightning coming forth from that throne. And there are 24 elders sitting around that throne. And there are these beasts with wings and eyes and, and the head of an ox and a lion, like surrounding this throne. And day and night they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If that God, the one who spoke the mountains into being, the one who spoke and created life inside mother's wombs, the one who spoke and made the trees and the birds and the bobcats and the panthers, like all of that, the, the God who spoke that into being. If he gave me a supernatural ability to play basketball and then we go outside to shoot some hoops and I'm throwing up bricks left and right, wouldn't you think that there's a disconnect? A brick is when you miss. If I said the God of the universe transformed me in such a way where I'm going to be amazing at basketball, and then I go outside and I can't even shoot, you're going to be like, yeah, maybe he didn't do that. I think it's a great analogy, and it breaks down, and I know, but, but if the God of the universe sends his spirit of power into us, don't you think that's going to change something? It's going to transform something. We were once dead, and now we have life. So the Spirit of God reveals Jesus. He transforms our life. He unites God's family, the church. The Spirit of God moves individually. He impacts each one of us individually, and we see this in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, and, and the Spirit gives gifts to us individually. But often, when the Spirit of God is spoken about in the New Testament, it's actually spoken about in a corporate way. This corporate indwelling of the Spirit. And that's actually what we see here in this passage. Let's look again in verses 20 and 21. In whom the whole structure is being joined together. This is a corporate thing right now. 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord corporately. In him you are also being built together. These individuals with the Spirit in them are coming together and being built together for a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's why it's so important that we gather together and worship God. That's why I think that there has been a disconnect with this um, church growth movement that we saw in the 90s and the 2000s where these mega churches popped up and, and all of a sudden people came to just consume and not participate. Christ didn't come so that people can come watch a show once a month and then think that that's all the energy that they need to get through on with the rest of their life. No, no, no. God has saved individuals so that they can come together as a family and build one another up in Christ. That's why I think like the church's response to COVID was going online was such a detriment. People have still yet to come back to church. Because there are all these amazing options. Yeah, great. I loved, for six weeks, I sat on my couch and watched TV and watched people, like, in my PJs. But, man, I felt so empty in that season. Because I need this. I need the people of God. I need to go out to coffee with Malin. That's what I need. Because that's how God has created us. He has created us to be in relationship with one another, not watch each other on a screen. And so... He reveals Jesus. He transforms our life and he unites God's family. But back to the questions we've been asking. Why are we being joined together, built together? To become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. To become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. Not a building, but a people. That's huge. Not a place, a people, a family. Well, why would I want to be a part of a community where God's spirit dwells? Because this is where we find life and peace. This is what God intends for his people, to gather together. Let's look at these verses again. Verse 21, in whom... Jesus, right? That's, what, that's Jesus right there. In whom, Jesus, the whole structure is being joined together, grows. Key word. If you write in your Bibles, circle that, please. Why? Because this building doesn't grow. <laughs> right? This, your house is not continually growing. You didn't buy it at 2,000 square feet. Now it's 3,000 square feet. Unless you're adding on to it. Right? The people grow. Like there's, some, there's an analogy that Paul's getting at here that we can't miss. Like this is an organic thing he's talking about, not a structural thing. The p- dwelling place of the Lord, the temple of God, is something that grows because it is a people, not a place. Into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, Jesus, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. And it says by, but another word for there is in. By and in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit reveals the work of Jesus, transforms our lives, and unites God's family. So what if we are not experiencing these things? Great question. Man, you guys are good today. You're on point. What if we're not experiencing these things? Two things. Either we're not saved or are quenching the Holy Spirit. Now, that's heavy because we're like, whoa. Those that have not surrendered their life fully to Jesus 
as their Lord and Savior. Savior is the piece where you know you can't do it alone and you receive his grace and he is the one that brings you from death to life and you no longer will spend eternity in a place called hell, but you will spend eternity in a place with him forever and ever. That's our Savior. Lord is he is the ruler and the king of your life. He is the authority. So what he says goes. So we can't pick this apart and say, well, I like these five things, but these other five things I don't like. No, 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 no. If you profess that he is your Lord and your Savior, you are saying that 100% of what he says goes and 0% of what I say goes. But what we tend to do is we tend to quench the Spirit because of our sin, our selfishness, our self-centeredness. And this is what I mean by that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. Paul's writing this. And he warns and he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. That author that I mentioned in the beginning that talked about this beautiful marriage between the spirit of God and the word of God, he actually expounded on that verse in one of his uh, sermons and he says this, the spirit comes to us as a fire either to be fanned into full flame and given the freedom to accomplish his will. That's surrender right there. It's Lord and Savior. Or to be doused and extinguished by the water of human fear, control, and flawed theology. That's a big statement. If you have a phone, take a snapshot of that. Because either, one, we are not saved because we have not fully surrendered our life to Jesus. And if that's you today, I want you to know that there is a God who loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And that surrender actually is not him shackling you to a set of things you don't want to do, but it's actually giving you life and freedom and peace. He loves you and wants a relationship with you. But if you've professed faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Church, we have to stop quenching the Spirit of God because of our doubts and our fears and our flawed theology. Theology is the study of God. We are quicker to run to podcasts and sermons and Google than we are to pick this up ourselves and read it. And we use the excuse, I don't understand it. There are, we live in a world where there are so many resources to help us understand this. So many. You have, are fortunate to be a part of a church that has disciple-making at the core of who they are, that we want to live in community with you. Like, we desire for us to come together. And it's like, you may have questions about today. Some of the things that were said, some of the things in worship, some of the things that were said about uh, everything Community groups are a great place to talk about those things. Like, this is a safe place for you to bring questions. This is a safe place for you to say, hey, I disagree with that. Let's go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about these things. We need to stop quenching the Spirit of God because of our fears, because of our control, and because of our flawed theology. So this is what we're going to do. Each one of you should have received a block when you came in. Lift up your blocks. All right. If you did not receive a block, you can actually put your blocks down because it's going to be counterintuitive to what I need. Um, 
Uh, if you can right now, if you don't have a block, please raise your hand. We got guys in the back. Miguel's going to walk down the aisle. There's one right here. You, you guys need blocks? These right here. There's some on the sides over here. Some over here. Just keep your hand. I know. Don't be embarrassed. They missed you. It's their fault. Hold it up high in judgment of them missing you. Oh, this whole front row over here. Oh, just you. Just one block. Okay. One block. We need block over, right here. Miguel? Right here? Over here? You would think, this is actually important. All right, here we go. Over here. I, I told them to have three people ready, but they didn't listen to me. It's on them. I'm judging them still. Just, it's okay. This is a safe place. In the back. Just keep going back. All right. We should have a block. This right here represents you. Your talents that God gave you, your gifts that God gave you, your abilities that God gave you, everything, everything you have was given to you by God. You didn't make yourself smart. God gave you a brain to be smart. You didn't make yourself strong. God gave you a, a body to be strong. This represents who God has made you. From the beginning of time, he knew you and he loved you and he made you. But he made you to be united and joined together with his body for his purposes, to be a dwelling place for him through the power of his Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. Communion is a beautiful representation, sacrament of what Christ has done for us on the cross. The bread represents his body broken for us and the the cup represents his blood that's poured out for us. And we do this in remembrance of him. You could take the bread, you could dip it in the cup. If you're not comfortable doing that, there are some packaged cups uh, in those uh, little bowls that are like prepackaged. There's a wafer on top and juice on the bottom. Those are also gluten-free. Um, so if you're gluten-free, you can take those. Um, but what I'm going to ask you to do is as we get up to join together to take communion, I want you to come down this center aisle. If you didn't get a block, they're also in the back there. You can kind of make your way back there, grab one, and then come through. Come down here. I want you to place your block on this table. Because I want us to have a visual representation of what this looks like. That we are coming together. That we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the power of his spirit. And this is a beautiful thing. And at the end, we will see what God has created with us, the people of God, to be his dwelling place so that our community may see the goodness of the Lord through your talents and your gifts and your abilities. And often we belittle how God has make, made us. And often we think that we're not talented enough or good enough or successful enough. God made you you, and he says to come and offer yourself as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to him. God will use you even if you don't think he can. He, what's the, the way FM saying? God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So I want you to take this. We're going to come down the center aisle, and then we're going to lay them on this table. I'm going to stay back here so I can help maybe shape it so it doesn't topple over uh, and ruin the whole analogy. But that's why God gives us elders, right? To help put things in order. Amen. We love you guys. We're so thankful that you're here. If you're here this morning and you don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
or this is your first time coming to a church and you're uncomfortable doing this, feel the freedom not. You don't have to do this. Um, we want this to be a safe place for you to come and enjoy and come back and continue to hear more about the goodness of the Lord. If you've never surrendered your life fully to Jesus, this may be your first act of faith coming forward and placing this on the table. And if that's you today, praise God. We would love to hear about that so we could be praying for you and start walking alongside you in this journey. We love you guys. Can I pray for us? Amen. Father, I want to thank you so much for today. I want to thank you for your word, God, that we as your people get to be built together, that we get to grow together as a dwelling place for you through our community. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, Jesus, when you were here walking the earth, you even said, it is better that I leave you so that I can send for you the helper, the spirit of God. So God, even though we desire your physical presence here, God, you have given us your presence through the power of your spirit. So I pray that we as your people would crave to know you more through your spirit. Holy Spirit, we speak directly to you because we can pray directly to you. We can pray directly to the Father, to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, Spirit, we pray to you right now that you would fall on us, that you would transform our hearts and our minds. God, in the areas of our life where we are quenching the move of your power, God, I pray that you would begin to convict us and draw us closer to God's throne of grace so that we will find mercy and forgiveness in our time of need. God, if we are here today and we don't know how to pray or how to start, we trust that you are praying on our behalf. Spirit of God, we pray that you would work in us, that you would build us together in our differences into a dwelling place for God in and through and by the power of the Spirit. We love you. We lift all these things up in your name.